Authority figures scare us and we feel afraid when we need to talk to them. This was absolutely me before recovery. To show how far I've come with this one, I want to share an experience I had last year. I had a conversation with a person who has authority over me in a work setting where I had to set a really strong boundary and I had to reiterate it multiple times and I had zero problem doing it. I wasn't nervous at all. I didn't shit my pants. I just plainly stated, this is what's going to happen. And I realized he is not an authority figure for me. And the reason he is not an authority figure is that I have become my own authority figure. Hi, I'm Barb Nangle. I want to welcome you to my podcast, Fragmented to Whole, Life Lessons from 12-Step Recovery, where I help people heal their emotional, psychological, and spiritual wounds and make deep, lasting changes in their lives. I'm the founder and CEO of Higher Power Coaching and Consulting, LLC, where I coach people on how to develop healthy boundaries. On this podcast, I share my experience, strength, and hope from recovery. I don't support or endorse any particular 12-step recovery fellowship, and I don't claim to speak for any particular 12-step fellowship. I also don't believe that 12-step recovery is the only way to recover. You might need additional help. My hope is that you'll find my words concretely helpful in improving your life, whether you're in recovery or not. If you like what you've heard on this episode, please screenshot it and share it on social media. And if you do, please be sure to tag me at Higher Power Coaching. This is episode 205, 24 Ways Adult Child Traits Show Up in the Workplace, Part 1. I mentioned sometime in the last few episodes that I had had this whole cascade of memories and understanding came to me almost in order about how every single job I have ever had, I have either been traumatized or had very serious drama, at least until I got into recovery. This cascade of memories came about when I was doing some conscious contact with my inner child, which I do as part of my recovery in Adult Children of Alcoholics and Dysfunctional Families, or ACA. I've been doing more and more of that conscious contact with my inner child and my inner teenager, and it is amazing the shit that is coming up. Anyway, regarding this particular incident, I was doing some conscious contact with my inner child in regard to money, and the next morning I had this whole cascade of memories and understanding come to me as a result of that, and I decided that what I was going to do was take a look at chapter 14 of the ACA Fellowship text, which is technically entitled Adult Children of Alcoholics, but is affectionately referred to as the Big Red Book. I will put a link to that in the show notes. Chapter 14 is called Taking Our Program to Work, and it includes a checklist called Working at the Laundromat, a checklist for ACAs in the workplace. These are the kinds of experiences and traits adult children are likely to have in the workplace. In episodes 193 and 194, I shared the 14 traits of an adult child, which is affectionately called the laundry list, as well as the other laundry list, which also has 14 traits on it. And that is why this one is called working at the laundromat. They're trying to make a play on words with the laundry list. For those of you who were not Native American English speakers, a laundry list is simply a term that means a long or exhaustive list. 
This particular one has 24 items. So I am going to read each item on the list. And then after each item, I'll tell you whether it's something that I identify with or not, and then say a little bit more if it applies to me about what that has looked like in my life. So here we go. Item number one, we confuse our boss or supervisor with our alcoholic parents or qualifier and have similar relationship behaviors and reactions that are carryovers from the past. This absolutely resonated with me. My boss of 19 years at Yale was essentially my dad. I mean, I made her into my dad. She was a very different person than him, of course. She was younger than me. She's black. She's a woman. My dad is older than me. He's a man. He's white. But they were similar in so many ways, especially the ways I reacted to them. So one is that I couldn't count on them to follow through on things. I bent over backwards and tried to get them to approve of me. They were both workaholics, emotionally unavailable, a whole bunch of other things like that. Item two, we confuse our coworkers with our siblings or alcoholic parent or parents and repeat childhood reactions and working relationships. I don't think this is true of me. I put a question mark next to that one every time I've read it. It could be something I'm in denial about, however. Item number three, we expect lavish praise and acknowledgement from our boss for our efforts on the job. I don't think this one is me. Number four, authority figures scare us and we feel afraid when we need to talk to them. This was absolutely me before recovery. To show how far I've come with this one, I want to share an experience I had last year. I had a conversation with a person who has authority over me in a work setting where I had to set a really strong boundary and I had to reiterate it multiple times and I had zero problem doing it. I wasn't nervous at all. I didn't shit my pants. I just plainly stated, this is what's going to happen. And I realized after the fact, like, holy shit, I have really changed. And I wondered to myself, what is that about? And I realized he is not an authority figure for me in the way that every other boss I had before recovery was. And the reason he is not an authority figure is that I have become my own authority figure. I'm my own authority figure. I think I'm still figuring out what that means for me, but it feels true, which is fucking huge for me because this was a really big problem for me in the past. Here's a story to illustrate. I worked in a restaurant that was owned by a brother and a sister. Both of them scared the shit out of me when I had to talk to them. They were assholes. They treated people like shit. The woman was in charge of the front of the restaurant, which is where I worked. I was a waitress and a bartender. And she would say things like, don't you dare go to another staff member to try to switch your schedule around. You need to go through me. And she really brandished her authority around like it was a weapon. And the brother was in charge of the kitchen and he was the head chef. And he did one of the most traumatizing things that ever happened to me in the workplace. But I honestly didn't even realize it was traumatic until very recently. And yet I stayed there and didn't do anything about it. What he did was yell at me during a really busy night with a kitchen full of people he called me a cunt and told me to suck his dick. It was super busy that night with lots of chaos. And I just happened to be the person standing in front of him when he lost it. And I just basically took it in stride. 
And later, my coworkers all said to me, why the fuck didn't you walk out? And I was like, do you know how much money I had on the tables out in that restaurant? Literally, I had money on the tables and money that was about to come to me from all the other tables I was waiting on. What I realized a couple weeks ago when I had that cascade of memories I mentioned was that the message I got was, in order to earn money, I need to put up with people calling me names and saying horrible things to me. Now, a much more recent example has to do with the building in which I worked when I was employed by Yale for many years. The executive director there really intimidated the crap out of me. Over the years, a couple of different conversations I had with him, I actually stood my ground more than I had in other environments, but it shook me to the core to do it. And I was literally shaking after it happened. That is the kind of thing that always happened to me in the past. Item five, we get a negative gut reaction when dealing with someone who has the physical characteristics or mannerisms of an alcoholic qualifier. That one does not resonate with me at all. Number six, we have felt isolated and different from everyone around us, but we really don't know why. This does resonate with me, but maybe not in the way that it might for most people. So here's an incident to describe it. So when I worked in a completely different restaurant, not the one I mentioned above, A bunch of the waitresses got together for my birthday and they gave me a magnet for a gift. And it said on it, you can do things my way or you can do things the wrong way. Now, clearly, I had that arrogance that I've talked about a number of times on this podcast where I really thought if people would just do things my way, then everything would work out. I became a trainer for new waitresses at this restaurant not long after I started working there. And in fact, that has been a role I've played in many jobs over the years, training new staff not long after starting there. And I remember in this particular restaurant, which was a fine dining restaurant, so they had very specific standards for how to do things. And I was saying to a new waitress I was training, here's the thing, ultimately what you want is for your customers to come back here and ask for you as their waitress. Barring that, you at least want them to come back to the restaurant because the more customers we have, the busier we are, the more money you make. And after I said that, the manager who'd heard me asked me, who told you that? That's a really great attitude. And I said, nobody needed to tell me that. To me, it's patently obvious. So getting reinforced for things like that added to my arrogance and my belief that I know the right way to do things. Anyway, back to this particular item number six, we felt isolated and different from everyone around us. I truly believed that my way was the right way. And it was so clear that everybody else knew that I thought that so much so that they had a conversation among themselves and decided to buy me a gift that basically said, you're a jerk and we all know it. Number seven, we lose our temper when things upset us rather than dealing with problems productively. This is another one that resonates with me. What I would do, especially towards my colleagues who were either on the same level as me or subordinate to me, is I would act like a dick to people. I wouldn't necessarily come out and say, this is pissing me off, but I would treat them like shit. I would talk to them like they were stupid fucking idiots And I can see this so clearly now in retrospect. I don't think I understood I was doing it at the time. It was like, uh, here's your penance for not doing things my way or for screwing things up. I'm going to treat you like shit. 
Number eight, we busy ourselves with our coworkers' jobs, often telling them how to do their work. Now, I don't know that I told people how to do their work. What I was more likely to do was just fucking do it for people rather than wait for them to do it on their schedule. And this goes back to my idea that I knew the right way to do everything. Number nine, we get hurt feelings when coworkers do things socially without asking us, even though we have not made an effort to get to know them and join in the social life. That is not me. Number 10, we are afraid to make the first move to get to know a coworker better, thinking they will not like us or approve of us. Also not me. Number 11, we usually do not know how to ask for what we need or want on the job, even for little things. This was absolutely me. One of the things we talk about in ACA is that there are three rules in dysfunctional families which we internalize, which are don't talk, don't trust, and don't feel. For me, the don't talk rule manifested most frequently as don't ask questions. When I grew up, I got the message that you were supposed to know shit, so don't fucking ask questions. And if you don't know something, then goddamn make something up. The idea of letting people know I didn't know something was worse than lying or making something up. I internalized the message, you cannot be flawed, you can't not know things. It's too dangerous to be put in the position of asking for help or asking for something that you need. So of course, I was not going to ask for shit in the workplace. Number 12, we do not know how to speak up for ourselves when someone has said or done something inappropriate. We tried desperately to avoid face-to-face confrontations. The example from earlier from the restaurant where the owner chef said all that stuff to me is a perfect example of that. But here's another one from that same restaurant. I mentioned that the two owners were siblings. Well, their dad had actually started the restaurant and they became the owners when he retired. And one time I was bartending there and he was drinking and he reached across the bar and touched my fucking nipple. And I remember feeling ashamed. Mind you, he was the one who touched me, but I felt shame. I think I might have said something to him. I don't remember, but I knew that I wasn't going to go to his kids and say anything because they were not going to do anything because it's their fucking dad. And also, they probably would have rationalized it and somehow blamed it on me. I was probably 26 or 27, which means it would have been in the late 80s or early 90s. So the concept of sexual harassment was not in the culture yet. This was actually right around the time when the Anita Hill trial accusing Clarence Thomas of sexual harassment happened, which is the thing that brought that phrase and the understanding of what it meant out into the culture. And I remember that because when the situation happened with the son who was the chef and he told me to suck his dick, my mom said, you know, that is sexual harassment. And I knew what that meant because of the Clarence Thomas trial. But I also 100% knew I wasn't going to do anything about it. So those are the first 12 of the 24 workplace laundry list traits. I'm going to cover the other 12 in the next episode, so be sure to stay tuned for that. I will also talk about the ones that are like my top three. I will list these 12 traits in the show notes for this episode and the following 12 traits in the next show, so you can take a look at them. I will also link the two episodes where I talk about the laundry list and the other laundry list so you can check those out. 
If you're ready to finally have an enjoyable, relaxing summer doing things you really want to do, instead of always following other people's agendas, I have some openings for private clients right now. If you are really tired of saying yes to things you really don't want to do and being overly accommodating to others, this is for you. It's time to start accommodating yourself. Maybe you're dissatisfied with your relationships and overwhelmed with all kinds of difficult feelings because of your interactions with others. If you'd like to get your life in order before the summer hits, go to barbchat.net and sign up for a free 30-minute call with me about my private coaching so we can get started right away. That way, you'll be done by summer. This is for people who are finally ready to make deep, lasting changes in their relationship patterns, including their relationships with themselves, their partners, family, friends, and colleagues. Go to barbchat.net. If you like this podcast, and I'm guessing you did or you wouldn't still be listening, then you're going to love the other things I have to offer. If you'd love pre-released podcast scripts and episodes before anyone else gets them, or if you'd love access to content from my private vault that I developed exclusively for my private clients, which is like having a work session with me without me actually being there, go to patreon.com slash higher power coaching. There are three tiers ranging from as low as $4 up to $24 a month. You'll also love my weekly newsletter, Friday Fragments, which has content very similar to the podcast. You can check it out at fridayfragments.news. That's fridayfragments.news. Please like and subscribe to my podcast on your favorite podcast outlet. I'd also love it if you'd leave a review, which you can do either in the show notes or on Apple Podcasts. It really helps other people find my podcast so they can get the benefits you've gotten from listening. If someone came to mind when you listened to this particular episode, please share it with them. And my favorite place to hang out on social media is Instagram. I'm at Higher Power Coaching. Please DM me there. I'd love to hear what you got from this episode. I run group and private coaching programs on building healthy boundaries. Whether you need help with boundaries in your personal, professional, or romantic life, I can help. Head on over to barbchat.net where you can hop onto my calendar for a free 30-minute Better Boundaries consultation. My ideal client is someone who is ripe for change. If that's you, I would love to work with you. My goal with all my work is to help you make lasting changes in your life like I've made deep lasting changes in my life. Remember, it's never too late to recover. No one is beyond hope and healing is possible. Thanks for listening.